and welcome to the Heavy Revy Show. This is the show where we unpack heavy revelations or what we call heavy revies are that are going to help you grow into the best version of yourself. My name is Josue Ibarra. I am the founder of the Heavy Revy Show podcast and I'm super excited to deliver you guys another awesome Monday message. Uh, Colin Cruz will actually be sharing this message today. Uh, you can also find this message on the Colin Cruz podcast as well. Um, if you are enjoying the content we are providing for you guys, please like, share, and subscribe uh, anywhere where you can uh, listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. Check out Colin with this awesome message after this intro. A lot of things been on my mind lately. A lot of things I've been ruminating and contemplating. A lot of things have been stolen and taken by Satan. A lot of things I don't know about, I'm just trying to make it. But he can't phase me. Forget the 10. My Lord God made me. I ain't talking Mike Gill word to the underground. Yeah, we making noise. And if you didn't know about us, yeah, we them boys. We be spitting smoke. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Colin. And whether you are listening on the Heavy Revy Show or the Colin Cruz podcast, I hope that uh, this message finds you well, and I hope that you're, you're in a peaceful state in the midst of kind of the chaos. You know, the time that we're recording this, there's a lot happening in the media. There's a lot happening in, in our country and in our world. Um, you know, we, we had just, it, what it feels like started to ease up on some of this pandemic stuff. Coronavirus is still um, a thing. It's still a topic of conversation. It's still in the media, but... But right as it starts to feel like it's easing up, then all of a sudden, um, you know, we experienced the the death of George Floyd, um, and that has just caused an uproar in our nation. And so it's it's a pretty interesting time to live in. 2020 is relentless so far, and uh, you know it is pretty interesting though to think uh, to think about all of that. And just just while we're t- on the topic, um, for me personally, I can't help but feel slightly overwhelmed by everything that is happening, by all of the opinions um, in the media and and on Facebook, on Instagram. And there's so many different perspectives and there's so many different voices. And um, while I want to contribute and I want to help, a lot of the times I don't know what to say. And I think that's for a lot of us, especially for white people. especially for white people, a lot of times we just don't know what to say. And I think a lot of the feedback that I'm getting from some of my black friends is that just don't be silent, just say something. Because the reality is I do care and I do, uh, I do support and stand with my uh, black brothers and sisters. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a really hard time to, to walk through that knowing that um, there are certain things that I won't have to face as a white man. Uh, I grew up in privilege and some of my best friends did not. Some of my best friends have to fight a battle every day that I don't have to fight. And so my heart goes out to, um, to, to my, my black brothers and sisters again. And, and, uh, and my heart goes out to the family of George Floyd. Um, you know, whether I know all the facts or I don't, what happened to him was wrong, and uh, we are absolutely praying for peace. I don't know if rioting is the solution. I think we probably would agree on that. Um, and for me, I've come to a resolve that if all I can do is pray, and if all I can do is speak up and have conversations, and 
and control what I can control, um, then I'm committed to that. I'm committed to being a part of the solution. And there are ways you can, you can donate. There are ways you can support, um, you know, black owned businesses. And I think that's all very positive and that's good. And so we are praying for peace in this time. And, and, um, but on the, on this, this note of, I feel overwhelmed and part of me just wants to turn off all of social media. It's, it's partly good to be informed, but what do you do when you are overwhelmed and what do you do when you want to be a part of a solution, but you feel like what you have in you is not enough to change hearts, to change minds. What you have in you is not enough. That's, that's the way I feel sometimes. My voice by itself is not enough. It's not enough. I am not enough alone to help situations like this. And I find this in scripture. And so I think for the next few minutes, um, I just want to share with you some things that, that uh, have been on my heart or some, some passages of scripture. I want to look at Matthew. It kind of jumped jump back and forth between Matthew and John. And so if you, you know, have a Bible in front of you, it's more convenient. You can kind of jump with, with me there. But if you're driving, just listen. And I just want to read the scripture over you um, and, and kind of look at this. Because I, I find myself in this text where I feel overwhelmed by the task or by the thing at hand or by, by what's in front of me. I feel slightly overwhelmed and anxious. And I think if I was a disciple in this passage, I would probably feel the exact same way. And so we are in Matthew chapter, uh, gosh, 14, Matthew chapter 14. And then we're also going to A, B, compare it to John chapter six. But let me just read. I just want to read it over to you. So just relax, lean back. Or if you're driving, don't close your eyes or anything. Just keep, you know, keep driving. But let me just read this over to you. This is Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. And it's, this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. I know you've heard this story dozens of times, but if you will, uh, with me for a moment, just maybe reset your expectations and see it from a different lens. I think this can help you, and I think this can really minister you like it has to me. But verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place. And what he had heard, just for context, is he had heard about the killing of John the Baptist, who he was close to. And when he heard about the killing or the beheading of John the Baptist, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place. Even Jesus needed isolation for just a moment. Even Jesus needed rest. And so he deserted to this place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. He was moved with compassion for them. And so here Jesus is trying to get alone, but he cannot get away from the crowds. And what does he do? He is moved with compassion. He's not filled with hate. He's not filled with anger. He's not, you know, have you ever been in a situation where you're at a party or maybe you're at church or you're serving or whatever, and there's just a few people you just cannot get away from? <laughs> there's, I'm mean, just being honest, there's a few people who just annoy the mess out of you and you can't really get away from them. He's not annoyed, but he's moved with compassion and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. The hour is already late. 
Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. Get these people out of here. (laughs) I honestly think if I was a disciple, I would be saying that for my own intent. Not so they could go, but I would probably be hungry and trying to take a nap or trying to go to bed or whatever. And maybe the motive wasn't selfish, but nonetheless, here they are saying, send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus said to them, no, they don't need to go away. In fact, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here five loaves and two fish. Okay, bring them here to me. And then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. I want you to remember that. He commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke. And he gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. Let me read that one more time. He commanded the multitudes to sit down. Because to sit down is a position of authority. So if you look at the story just at the surface level, it's a pretty amazing miracle. But if you look at it at a prophetic level, what he was doing was he was commanding them to sit down on the grass. In John chapter 6, he says, make them sit down. David said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. So to sit down was to show them that you are in a position of authority. And when, when Christ died, rose again, sent his spirit, and now deposited his spirit into us, he gave us authority. And so as a believer, you are in a position of authority. Whether you see it or not, you have authority. He gave you authority over serpents and scorpions and over every demon. So he makes them sit down. He blessed and he broke and he gave the loaves back into the hands of the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. And I can't help but feel like this is a prophetic picture that he blessed and he broke and when it was broken, it was multiplied and how his own body was broken and yet he was multiplied to all mankind. It's prophetic. And so verse 20, it says, they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So maybe we can't really, I don't want to guess, <laughs> because I don't have any, any exact facts of how many people were actually there. What we do know is there were about 5,000 men plus women and children. And so you've heard this a hundred thousand times. And the miracle that I find in this passage is not necessarily the result of what happened, but it was the process of how it happened. And uh, one, of my, one of my mentors told me forever ago when I, when I was in North Carolina, I lived in Charlotte for a little while and I was on staff at Elevation Church. And one of the people, his name was John Bishop. He oversaw our apprenticeship program. And in a teaching one time, he said, just completely eliminate the finish line. Completely, just in your mind, just pretend like there is no finish line. And what he was saying inherently was 
to really embrace the process. Embrace the process. Embrace the pro- just, just think about this. Embrace the process that you are in. Some of you are so caught up in what the future looks like that you forget to really enjoy and embrace the process that you're in now. Because what God wants to do in your life, he wants to do it right now. Yes, he, he has a, a future for you. He has plans for you. Um, he, he has a great future for you. But he also wants to perform a miracle in the middle of your process. And it's always in the middle, I feel like, where God meets us. Personally, it was in the middle of my depression. It was in the middle of a season where I wanted to end my life. It was in the middle of feeling like I was never going to be back in ministry ever again. In the middle of feeling like I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this. It was in the middle where God met me and sent people into my life to restore me. And so it's interesting to think about the perspective of a disciple in this moment because I'm saying, hey, send them away. That's a practical solution. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. That's an impossible solution. It's impossible. And so I would be thinking, like, are you freaking kidding me? (laughs) We have, there are 5,000 men, and I have five loaves and two fish. You know what? Let's actually, I'm going to jump over to John because I want to look at his perspective. Same story, different perspective. Same story, different perspective. And we're all seeing the same thing on the media, different perspectives. A white person's perspective is totally different than a black person's perspective in our world right now. Same story, different perspective. And uh, <laughs> it says, when Jesus lifted up his eyes to see the multitude, they were coming toward us, John chapter 6, verse 5. And Philip says, Where should we buy? Now, this is interesting. One disciple says, send them away to buy themselves food. And another says, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? So some people will be solution oriented and some people uh, will be escape oriented. So it is just, I, I wasn't even thinking about this. I wasn't even planning to say this, but it's just so interesting to see that there will be people that you come across, people that work for you and people that you work with. Some will say, let's, let's take the easy way out. And some will say, how can I help? How can I contribute? And Philip says, where should we buy bread that these may eat? But, uh, but um, uh, Jesus said, was testing him for he knew himself what he would do. He knew what he was going to do. Jesus knew what he was going to do. But he said, where should we buy bread to eat? <laughs> where should we buy? And he knew he was testing him. God knows what he's going to do when you're, he knows the plans that he has for you. He knows the potential that he's put inside of you. He knows. Even if you don't know, he knows. Even if you don't feel it, he knows. And when you want to give up, he knows. He knows. He knew what he would do. 200 denarii worth of bread isn't sufficient for them that every one of them would even have just a little bit. So Philip is trying to reconcile the financial side of this. It's looking practical. I don't know how much it's going to take to feed this crowd. And one of the disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here, a boy, um, who's got five barley loaves and two small fish. 
Uh, but what are they among so many? What I have, what is that? How is that going to help? What this little thing that I have, this little startup business that I have, this, this little talent that I have, this little thing, how is that going to help? My little voice on Instagram with my 190 followers, how is that going to contribute? How is that supposed to help? What are they among so many? And it was so interesting, too, because um, a boys, and I don't mean this offensively, it's just it is what it is, but, but children and women um, were considered insignificant in that day and age. And that's why it said there were 5,000 men and some women and children. It didn't even really, it didn't even really like, they weren't even really counting the women and children because they were considered insignificant, insignificant citizens. Insignificant. It came from an insignificant source, a boy who had some lunch. And he said, make the people sit down. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish. So here it is. This insignificant person had something in his hand that nobody else had. Five loaves, two fish. It's all they had. And what are they among so many? And one of the things that I took from this passage is that in order to really see God move in your life, you have to surrender what is in your hand. Surrender. Surrender. It's not sexy, but you got to surrender. Surrender. Surrender what is in your hand. Surrender the resources. Surrender the time. Surrender the talents. Surrender your heart. Surrender your opinions. And especially surrender your comfort. I heard somebody say something that um, God will always keep you out of your comfort zone. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way because he's the God of all comfort and he's the Prince of Peace. And I feel like I should always be peaceful in my heart. But I started to think about it. And when I've completely surrendered to God, I will be out of my comfort zone. I will be pushed a little bit. Because there are two sides, two versions of me warring against each other, a spirit and a flesh that are completely different identities and both, uh, bo both are contradictory to each other. And so I will be a little bit out of my comfort zone, but there's this element of surrendering. And this boy was completely good with surrendering the lunch he had in his hand. Surrender. You know, this is totally side note, but it is, it's also cool to think that he surrendered his lunch. He surrendered his food. That's called fasting. When you fast, you surrender food. You surrender what brings you comfort. You surrender what brings you pleasure. It's a surrender. But what he probably didn't know was what Jesus was going to do with the food. He 
probably didn't know what Jesus would do and how he would multiply and feed everyone there with his small little lunch. I wonder what God could do with the little thing that you feel like is so insignificant in your life. It reminds me of the story in 2 Kings chapter 3, or chapter 4 rather, uh, of, of the widow woman. Elisha goes to a widow woman and, and she says, you know, it's a story in, in, in the creditors, her husband died and the creditors are coming to take her sons and all I have is this little oil. All I have is this little oil. All I have is this little thing. And Elisha says to, to uh, the woman, well, okay, um, if this is all you have, then go collect as many jars as you can from all of your friends, close the door, and then pour out the oil. Surrender. And so she collects as many jars as she can, and she's got a room full of jars and her two sons, and they just start pouring oil into each jar. And oil naturally is multiplied. It is important for you to understand that you are not the oil. You are a jar. And, and so it is not your job to multiply the bread. It's just your job to deliver it. Yes, what you have is insignificant. Yes, what you have is not enough. Or at least it may feel that way. And I've come to realize that not enough is just everything that God needs to make more than enough in my life. It's everything that God needs to multiply and to perform a miracle in my community, in my uh, sphere of influence, in, in my heart. You don't need anything more. But what you need is to surrender what you have. Surrender what's in your hand and to put it in God's hands. Notice in the scripture, it says that they took the bread they surrendered it to God, to Jesus, and then he puts it back in their hands. He puts it back in their hands. Um, you know, if I was a disciple, here's what I would be, you know, if I was in that time, and just put yourself in the story for just a moment. Uh, you know, Jesus puts this bread back in your hands. Your job is to disseminate what he had multiplied right in front of you. Think for a moment, how many trips would you have to make to feed <laughs> all 5,000 plus women? Into, how many trips back and forth, back and forth, back and forth? Repetition, repetition. Your feet are getting tired. Your arms are getting tired. Back and forth. Back and forth. Up the aisle, deliver. Back down the aisle, collect more bread. Up the aisle, deliver it. Back and forth. Back and forth. And life feels so repetitive and so redundant. And it's the same thing over and over and over and over, and over, and over, and over again. It's a process. It's a process. Back and forth. How many trips do you think they made? There's only 12 of them. And there's 5,000 men, at least, plus women and children, back and forth. And maybe it didn't happen like that, but I can't help put my practical mind into the story 
and think that he blessed it, he broke it, he multiplied it, put it back in their hands, and they delivered it back and forth. And when I consider that, and I look at how life feels like it's so back and forth, and how I go through seasons of feeling tired, and how I go through seasons of feeling like it's the same crap. When is it going to change? And sometimes I feel like um, I have moments where I am close to Christ, and then moments where I have no idea where He's at at all. I know that's not biblically accurate. I just, I'm just saying it can feel that way sometimes. I know He hasn't left me or forsaken me, but. But why do I feel so like in a deserted place? And I'm doing the same thing. But where is Christ in all of this? And especially in this time, and I don't know what time you'll be listening to this. Maybe you're listening six months, a year, two years down the road. But at the time that we're recording this, there is a crowd of people who need to be fed from Christ and they are rioting and going insane and all of us are anxious and all of us are on edge and all of us are being triggered by one little thing that somebody says on Instagram and I feel like what I have and what I could contribute is not enough and so here's here's the punchline ready here's what it is Go back to the bread. And I'm not talking about the thing that physically feeds you. I'm talking about how Jesus called himself the very bread of life. It's not, it's not the thing that, that comforts you. It's the thing that truly feeds your spirit. There is only one person who can be a solution for our nation and for our hearts and for our anxiety and for our world, there is only one person. His name is Jesus. He is the bread of life. And it's so, it's so ironic how he was delivering bread and he was the bread. And so I want to tell you today, go back to the bread. Go back to the bread. When you feel anxious, when you feel depressed, when you feel not enough, when you feel like what you have is so insignificant, go back to the bread. Put it back in his hands. Surrender it back to his hands. Because you can feed on all kinds of... Just stop feeding on the media. Stop feeding on the thing that is killing you. Stop feeding. You are feeding from the wrong source. And all this time, he's been there the entire time. He's been there, and he's been with you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. But what you keep doing is going back to a different source, thinking that it's going to sustain you, but it can't. Go back to the bread. Go back to the bread. Man, I feel freedom in that. I feel freedom in that. I feel freedom in the fact that I don't have to know everything. I feel freedom in the fact that I don't have to have the solution. I know one who does. And if I will surrender, what's in my hand? And if I will obey when it's given back to me, obedience, 
It's about, it's about obedience. It's about repetition. It's about patterns. I believe there is a lifestyle where you can feel constantly full. And what he's given us is a choice today. We have a choice. What will we be feeding on? What will I feed on? Here's what I realized. What I need for them, I have to get from him. I do not have it in my own strength. And this is why I think it's so, so significant that he broke the bread and then multiplied. Sometimes in our most broken places is where God shows his greatest strength. And so I don't know what kind of position you find yourself in. But I'm praying that he makes you lie down in this season. He makes you sit down in authority, in peace. I'm praying that you find, uh, you find your source again in this season. Praying that you go back to your first love. Praying that you go back to what he first called you to do. And that is relationship with him. You know, I, in, in closing, I can't help but think about a scripture. And in 1 Peter, I'm sorry, yes, uh, was it 1 Peter? God, 2 Peter, I'm sorry. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let me read this over to you. I'm going to start in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace is multiplied when you know him and you continue to know him and grow in your knowledge of him. But verse 3 says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. This is Peter writing this. And Peter, at the time of writing this, is old. He had seen the death and resurrection of Christ. He had been building the church. And he's writing to a group of Christians in Asia Minor. And they've been confronted with some different ideologies some different theologies. And he's encouraging, encouraging them to stay committed and to stay faithful in the truth of the gospel. And he's telling them, you already have what you need if you will go back to it. And I, what I find so interesting about the time that he's writing this is that he had seen so much in his life and he was there. He was there on that mountain. He was there in that grass. He was there with those disciples. He was there when Christ multiplied the bread. He had seen it in a physical realm and he understood the New Testament gospel that he had, he had multiplied himself, given you his spirit, and now you already have what you need. And so he understands this process on multiple levels, that if you will commit to knowing him, commit to your relationship with him, you have everything you need 
for life and godliness. It's through knowing him. It's through experiencing him. And so um, today, you know, I don't know where you're at. Whether you're driving, maybe you're at the gym, maybe you are uh, just going on a walk. But, man, I want to pray for you and, and I want to encourage you that you have what you need. You have what you need. It feels like not enough. Who you are feels like insignificant. But when you go back to your source, when you go back to your bread, when you go back to that relationship with him and you continue to press in, continue to know him back and forth, day in, day out, I believe that what you have, he will multiply. And I believe that uh, he will perform, he will perform a miracle through what you have. And so uh, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for whoever is listening right now, um, whether they be, you know, just going about their normal day-to-day routine or they're on their way to work. Um, God, I just pray that you would continue to give them grace and peace through knowing you. Um, I thank you that you have given us everything we need. And when anxiety creeps in, and when the enemy tries to convince us that we're not enough, Lord, I know that when we put it back in your hands, when we put what we have back in your hands, Lord, that's when the miracle happens. And so uh, I just pray peace over whoever's listening right now. I pray uh, that you would still any anxious thoughts that um, for, for those of them who are coming back from work and are just, you know, don't even want to get out of the car back into the house because they know they got to deal with kids and a wife. And I pray that you would give them courage and strength today to go back and forth in strength, not begrudgingly, not because they feel like they have to, but because they feel like now I know what's inside of me and I know what I have and I know what God's doing in me. And so, God, I thank you for the gospel, man. God, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you that we never walk alone now, but you are always with us and you have never forsaken us and you will never leave us. So we love you, Lord. We're praying for our city, God. We, we, we pray for uh, those who have been affected by um, the racial tensions in our, in our country. Um, we pray for, you know, for our black brothers and sisters, that you would give them strength, that you would give them peace, and that you would give them justice, Lord. And we pray for our white people, God. We pray for our white people that they would have understanding and that they would have compassion and that they would have empathy. I pray that you would reconcile our relationships in this country, Lord. Um, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Um, you are loved by uh, Josue and I and by all of the teachers on this show. Um, and you are loved by Christ, uh, most importantly. And so hope you have a great day and keep tuning in. We'll see you next time.